show. Obviously, you're not a golfer. What kind of beer do you like? Heineken! Fuck that shit! Pops, food, ribbon! You take drugs, Danny? Every day. Good. So what's the problem? I don't know. Money, 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 money! I drink your milkshake! I drink it up! Son of a bitch. Stole mine. You're a cantaloupe. <laughs> So how do you feel about us not releasing that episode? <laughs> wait, wait, what? Top five worst dads. Are we doing it again? Or are we going <laughs> to top five worser dads? <laughs> I don't think you can get worser than those five. It's going to be tough. Well, nine, I think. Because we only had one, we had one we, crossover on the, on the number one. Yeah, we agreed on one. Uh, so nine. <laughs> The many honorable mentions. There's actually one person on that list that I, somebody would have made it, but if I would have put it on the list, it would have been a big spoiler for a movie. And it was kind of a big movie. I guess it's more relevant right now. Yeah. So I didn't want to bring it up because then I'd ruin it. So. Well, I had one that was kind of like that. Oh, well, the Guardians of the Galaxy? Yeah. Yeah. Volume two. This one's uh. A little bit more of a major spoiler for something else, so I just decided to keep it out. Well, probably doesn't matter now, because you had only spoiled it for me. Well, no, I, I didn't put it on the list. No, that's what I'm saying. If you had put it on the list, I would have been the only one who would been spoiled by it. That is correct. Because <laughs> I was looking ahead while I was thinking of the list. I was like, eh, I should put this on there, but if I, once I mentioned the title of the movie, it's a big spoiler. Yeah. But... I don't know. I'll edit it maybe one day, and I'll just we'll take another listen. Maybe we'll put it on the website. We'll see. A little secret spot. <laughs> All right. Well, welcome back to WTM. Watch this movie. I'm your host, Eric Mulder. Eric, he is a bad, bad man. Today, Wolfie T's back. Facts. In studio. How's it going? Facts. Wait for the wolf. We should be coming directly. You sending the wolf? Ready to go ham on this one. Go ham? Yeah. Gonna ham it up? We're gonna go ham. <laughs> what does that mean? Hard as a motherfucker. <laughs> Is that a wrestling reference? You don't listen to any rap music that came out in the last couple years? Probably not. Uh, I guess not. Unless it was Kid Cudi or something. <laughs> no, I, I don't know. I haven't listened to much Kid Cudi recently. He did a music video with Will Smith's kids. Did you know that? Uh, seems like everyone's done a music video with Will Smith's kids. That's the only one that I, I know of. He gets them in everything. Sing it's... songs, act in movies. <laughs> they whip their hair. Back and forth, from yeah. what I hear. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, today we're going to be doing another mini-ep. We're going to be recording The Warriors. And that one will make air. Yes, it will. Hopefully. <laughs> God willing. <laughs> it's a pretty simple premise, so I don't think we'll stray too far. Yeah. Hopefully. Um, yeah, that'll continue our summer of fun. Uh, Jones and I will be recording an episode on Wake and Fright. 
probably next week here. Uh, today's Saturday, July 1st. Yep, yep. I'm guessing this will come out. I'll probably post this on Monday. Ooh, just in time for just Independence Just in time for the 4th. Yeah. Yeah. Here in the USA, celebrating our independence from England. I got some Murica beer from <laughs> Did Surly. You? Did you? Yeah, it just says Murica is the... The oh, brand. you didn't. I mean, it's one of Surly's craft. You, you know, didn't beers. get the Budweiser that says America. Oh no, because it comes from Germany. <laughs> <laughs> they still brew it here. They just all the money goes back to Germany. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. That's the argument for buying uh, Japanese cars. Like, well, they make them here. <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but they send all the money back to Japan. So, I mean, where do the parts come from? That's true. <laughs> That's true. Anyways. Uh, I don't think we'll do a whole lot of film news this episode. Uh, Baby Driver's out in theaters right now. Got amazing reviews. I'm probably, I might see it tomorrow or the next day. Pretty pumped. Yeah. I don't know if I'll see that in the theater. but. Oh, yeah? Uh, Buzz Killington? <laughs> I don't know. It it's seems like a cool premise, but I, I watched the trailer and I'm like, oh, you're a big know. car guy. There just wasn't enough dodges in there for you, or what? <laughs> you know, if they want your character to be a badass, they give you a Dodge Challenger. <laughs> That's what they do these days. Does it when but, you get the Challenger? Does it always come with a Confederate flag on top, or is that just <laughs> custom? No, I I think they uh, they recalled all those. In a Vanishing Point, that's a Challenger, right? 1970 because yeah, that's uh it's a white yeah because uh, death proof they uh they got the same car for death proof mm-hmm. which was the 1970 challenger and then what was uh stuntman mike's car you remember i think he had two different ones i think one of them was a charger yeah i forget what the one that he wrecked was i don't know might have been a chevy it actually kind of segues into one of the recent films I saw. Oh, what did you see? What did you see, Clarice? What did you see? Oh, what did you see? I saw Dirty Mary, Crazy Larry from 1974. This is one of Tarantino's favorite films that he talks about a lot. They mention it in Death Proof. It's directed by John Hugh, starring Peter Fonda, Susan George, Adam Rourke, or Roark, Roark and Kenneth Toby. Uh, Storyline, Larry and Deke are a small-time car racing duo who rob a grocery store and plan to use the proceeds to buy an expensive race car in order to win more races and break into the professional NASCAR circuit. Their escape with the loot does not go as smoothly as planned when Larry's one-night stand, Mary, tags along for the ride. One step ahead of an obsessed sheriff, they manage to evade several police cruisers, a high-performance police interceptor, and even a helicopter and their 1969 Dodge Charger RT. Ooh. Sounds like a good one. What's the RT stand for? Uh, well, these days, the RTs are the ones that they put the Hemis in. Okay. So it's just That's like why a, it says RT on your car? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because I got a Hemi. <laughs> yeah, that thing does got a Hemi. <laughs> God. If we played shitty TV bites, I would have put that in there for you. <laughs> That thing got a Hemi. Yeah. Those those commercials are old <laughs> now, man. Oh, yeah. They're like 10 years old. Oh, my goodness. Older than that. But that was when they first brought the Hemis back. Now they're 
like phasing them out, which is sad. Except for the Hellcats, where they just keep adding, or the Demon Tremline. It's got like 800 fucking horsepower in it. Uh, so yeah, I guess my thoughts on the movie. I guess right off the bat, I would say I will give this an eventually rating. I think it is worth seeing. Um, definitely in the you know car exploitation kind of era, the early to mid seventies. Um, there was a lot of you know chase movies like this, Vanishing Point, where I talked about that. Right. Bullet was another film known for its car chases. San Francisco, yeah, great car chase uh, sequences, some badass cars, and <laughs> kind of sneaks up on you. Like I was kind of watching it, and I was like, "This is pretty good," you know, some cool car stuff. I, I don't want to say too much, but it sneaks up on you. How it's like, "Oh, this is pretty. This is more than I thought it was going to be." Yeah, that type of thing. The performances are you know pretty good. Uh, Peter Fonda plays Larry. He treats Mary kind of like shit a little bit like throughout the movie, <laughs> which is kind of weird because it's like their it's kind of like their romance story, right? Because she's the one night stand who sticks around, but she you know she one ups him a couple of times, or at least uh, I guess retaliates in clever ways. So she kind of she gets hers. It seems like a prevalent theme in those nineteen seventies movies where they just treat the women like shit. But they're tough, and they fight back. Yeah. They persevere. Yeah. They don't whine about it. (laughs) (laughs) Easy. Just kidding. So, yeah, I'd say go out and see it. I can see uh, why it makes its rounds on the Midnight Circuit for movies and the uh, drive-in. It's kind of a drive-in fair. I will definitely keep my eye out for that one. Yeah, it's on Netflix. Uh, it's been there for years, so I don't think it's leaving anytime soon. Shit, maybe I'll watch that this weekend. There you go. That's uh, another one on the list. <laughs> you just made the list! <laughs> Where's the sounder? <laughs> <laughs> we'll, f- we'll put it in later. <laughs> Fix it in post. <laughs> just like this. You just made the list! What did you see, Brett? All right, from 2016, The Birth of a Nation. Written and directed by Nate Parker, starring Nate Parker, Army Hammer, Penelope Ann Miller, uh, Jackie Earl Haley, Mark Boone Jr., Gabriel Union's in there. It's the uh, Nat Turner, a a literate slave and preacher in the antebellum South, orchestrates an uprising. Well, it takes him about an hour and a half to do that in the two-hour movie, so that's a bit of a spoiler, but it's history, so you should probably already know that. But it's basically a biopic of uh, Nat Turner. Like I said, it was a slave who, as a child, he learned to read, and uh, because he knew how to read, his master's wife, the lady of the house, invited him to stay in the house where she taught him how to read the Bible, and then... As he got older, he became a preacher for the slaves on the plantation. And then the white preacher of the area told his owner that, you know, you can basically rent them out to the other plantations uh, around the area to preach to their slaves, which they did. And basically they preached the parts of the Bible where it says, if you're a slave, always obey your master no matter how cruel they are you know, turn the other cheek type stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but slowly but surely things start uh, kind of building up. He sees all this mistreatment on these other plantations of the slaves. and Do things in the South start to go South? <laughs> they, they do if you're white. <laughs> but uh, 
Yeah, eventually it, he hits his breaking point and he he starts, you know, finding the the passages in the Bible that say, you know, don't obey your master if you're slave, rise up and conquer the injustice, and uh, he takes that to heart. Um, the uprising they really don't show much. There's there's a couple of scenes where they show uh, people getting killed. But for the most part, it's just in like a montage and it's really short. It's like the last maybe 15 minutes of the movie that they show the, the uprising. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's kind of slow up to that point. Um, so I, I'd give it a, a rating of a last resort because it, I think it could have been better. Um, and then the way they, like every description I saw was, oh, he leads an uprising, he leads an uprising and it's such a small fraction of the movie you're kind of misled by that yeah you're (laughs) this whole film was marketed in a very misleading way it seems like yeah um jones and i had talked about it once the movie was coming out well you know um nate parker's past those the rape accusations and what he did uh, in college um obviously doesn't speak well to him kind of a well not kind of he is a douchebag uh (laughs) And there's some other controversies with the film coming out. Right. And they uh, they apparently added some uh, plot devices uh, to, for dramatic effect to move the story along mm-hmm. that weren't true to life. Yeah. Um, such as uh, Nat Turner. They, they gave him life, who one of the inciting incidences uh, that leads to the rebellion is his wife gets attacked by several slave catchers and there's no evidence that he even had a wife or that his wife was attacked so they Mm. just kind of threw that in there and i i remember when it came out there's a lot of controversy that they did that considering nate parker's rape accusations yeah and for him to use that as you know a you know a plot device device for revenge was uh pretty controversial so yeah making up the kind of the rape thing in the plot doesn't really bother me in the sense that you know a lot of movies do stuff like this they're trying to make a movie they're trying to make a story they're trying to put stuff together but yeah when it's him doing it it's a little different yeah and the fact that uh gotta figure out the name of the studio i think uh i don't remember what it was I mentioned it when we were talking about this last fall, but they're the ones in the trailers they're marketing. They were juxtaposing uh, pictures or video from the film and the uprising to like Black Lives Matter protests and yeah. like um, them clashing with police, essentially saying, hey, these are the same two things, right? Come on, right. watch this. Yeah. This is relevant, which I do not care for. Do not like fucking big film companies trying to make money off of you know tragedies that are happening across the country yeah it is it seemed very exploitative yeah um so yeah i could see uh i mean i never saw this movie it probably months just because i didn't give a shit right and i don't care about nate parker it doesn't seem like it was that great of a film like a transcendent film that i needed to see yeah it seems like it should be a lot better than it is yeah it's well, yeah, I mean, I'm very fascinated by the by the you know premise, the Nat Turner. Yeah, 
they don't it, it doesn't seem like they go into that much detail in his life it's just like oh he's a slave he can read he's a preacher he goes preaches to these other slaves you know bad stuff happens to slaves and then he snaps well not snaps but you know he he reaches his breaking point and it's it's all very like matter of fact and you know i read an article about the modern day families involved you know turner's descendants and the slave owners descendants and they a lot of them still live in the same area and some of them are friends and they they're you know big historical buffs and they get together they talk about it and share what they agree on what they think happened maybe what they disagree on what they think happened well early in the movie uh nat and then the the owner's son are friends and then the the patriarch dies so the kid that was friends with nat as a child becomes the master of the plantation Mm -hmm. and then you know they're not so much friends at that point but yeah yeah it seemed like that so the plantation the the family's name was turner so obviously nat turner just took their name Mm -hmm. um or rather they made him take it (laughs) well well, i don't know because they don't really call him nat turner they just call him nat yeah in the movie um so they might have given him the name later after his descendants were um you know freed after the civil war but in the film, his his owners seem to treat them pretty well. Um, Relative to just other owners. Yeah, compared to all the other plantations that he goes to. Like, uh, have you seen 12 Years a Slave? No. Okay, uh, Benedict Cumberbatch plays a slave owner in there, and he's kind of like the nice one of the yeah. slave owners type of thing. And it wasn't till after they started going to these other plantations that... Uh, the Turner plantation started treating their slaves a little more, you know, a little shittier. Uh, and I think that was part of it, too, that, you know, they kind of got corrupted by seeing how everybody else treats their slaves and started doing it, mm-hmm. you know, to their own slaves, trying to impress the other slave owners. Peer pressure, man. Yeah. It's a real B. But it's, uh, I'd say, a last resort. Even if you're if you're a history buff, maybe you want to see it, or if you're into, you know, black history and the slaves and you know how they were treated and all that stuff, maybe you take a look. But um, there are probably better movies that show that type of interaction and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Or maybe you seek out a documentary. Yeah. Well, you have more movies to talk about this week than I do, but. I say I'll go next again here. I saw Yoga Hosers. Have you seen the Yoga Hosers? No, I've not seen that. It's uh, it's kind of a sequel, or at least set in the same universe as Tusk, also by Kevin Smith. He's creating like a Canadian trilogy of weird, quirky like horror movies. He must just have too much time and money. Uh, maybe. <laughs> I don't feel. I mean, he is—he's one of the busiest fuckers out there because he has several podcasts that he does. You know, runs his own network and still involved with TV. He's directing episodes of The Flash. He's doing movies, doing it all. Anyways, uh, directed by Kevin Smith, written by Kevin Smith, uh, starring his daughter Harley Quinn Smith, 
and Lily Rose Depp, who is Johnny Depp's daughter. They are families are close friends. Their daughters are BFFs. And so the, the families are pretty close. So they kind of hang out sometimes. Uh, Johnny Depp also um, co-stars in this film. As Guy Lapont, he was a French-Canadian uh, detective. He was also from Tusk. So his character is kind of like... Is it, is it Guy or Guy? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Guy. Sorry. Guy Lapont. It's the French way to say it. Mm-hmm. Guy. And I don't know if it's Lapont or Lapointe. I don't know. Lapont. Yeah. Either way. Adam Brody is also in there. And uh, there's a couple more little cameos from different people you'd recognize. Storyline. Two teenage yoga enthusiasts team up with a legendary manhunter to battle with an ancient evil presence that is threatening their major party plans. So they play kind of like convenience store clerks at the A A to Z. It's E-H-Z- or no, E2 with the number 2 and then Z. But it's like uh, specializes in syrup. Like they have like artisanal syrups and things like that. It's so so Canadian. Yeah, so I don't know how much, if that's like kind of like a real thing or <laughs> it doesn't seem like they'd have a convenience store just for syrup, but maybe no. it's like a... I'm guessing it's just like, let's. what's the most Canadian thing we can think of? Yeah, let's put syrup in like, let's put hundreds we'll, of syrups. We'll do a store that sells nothing but syrup. <laughs> Like, I think they sold other shit, too, but either way, um, yeah, they're, you know, teenage girls that have a band. Adam Brody's their drummer. He's their 35-year-old <laughs> drummer in a teen girl band. And while they were playing one time, the they shorted out the power because he was plugging everything into, like, one outlet. <laughs> and unbeknownst to them, back in the day, in, like, during the World War II, there was a story goes that there was a a rise of local Nazi type people who wanted wanted a pledge to Hitler and whatnot in Canada and took on the same philosophies and ideals. And uh, one of their mad scientists, he froze himself cryogenically with a bunch of these sausage monsters that he put his DNA into, and they were like incubating for like a hundred years supposedly. But power outage kind of stopped that after seventy years. So they wake up, and all the little Nazi sausage monsters are wreaking havoc, trying to kill people. So, uh, rating, I would say last resort. Um, this movie's got a lot of flack, a lot of negative reviews. Um, I wouldn't say, it's not as bad as I, as I thought it would be at all. Yeah. I was entertained. It sounds ridiculous. Yeah. It's PG-13, which is a little weird, because Tusk was R, I believe. This one's PG-13, but it's still, I mean, it's, it's fine for PG-13. There was, it's not like, oh, they're missing so many opportunities without this R rating. It wasn't like that, but I thought the two, the two girls were, were pretty good. I was, you know, a little worried about nepotism and, and maybe they're just, I'd just be annoyed with, you know, spoiled rich kids or something like that watching it, but no, they were fine. Uh, I thought they were charming. Johnny Depp isn't quite as annoying as he was in Tusk. Because Jones and I agreed we had big problems with him in Tusk because he was character was annoying as shit. And it didn't look like he was even really I'm sure he's trying, but I don't know. Yeah. That was like, eh, that's the wrong voice. Kinda like we see like a bad Adam Sandler movie. Yeah. Like, that's the wrong voice to use, dude. 
Shouldn't be doing that one. Say so it wasn't terrible. Uh, if you've seen Tusk, you can check this one out. It's on Netflix. You'll have a decent time. Like lately, it's been more interesting. Like find out how Kevin Smith has created these movies because like Tusk came from like a podcast idea off of another idea and then they made it into a movie and then it's just like uh, more ridiculous stuff that they came up with kind of on the spot and there's been crowdfunding and people supporting it and so it's kind of like a real collaborative effort but to get these weird and unique ideas shown on the big screen but yeah it's okay it's just don't have to go out and see it <laughs> well, my next one is uh, from 1973 Black Caesar uh, written and directed by Larry Cohen, starring Fred Williamson, Gloria Hendry, uh, Art Lund, Durville Martin. Uh, that's about it. Let's see. This plot summary is really long. <laughs> Let's see if I can summarize the summary. Let's see. Uh, Tommy Gibbs is a tough kid raised in the ghetto who aspires to be a kingpin criminal uh, as a young boy his leg is broken by a bad cop on the take during a payoff gone bad uh, nursing his vengeance he rises to power in New York City's Harlem yeah so that's basically it he uh so as a as a youngster he kind of works as an errand boy for the mafia and one of his first jobs is to deliver a payoff to a crooked cop who is super racist. <laughs> and uh continuing theme <laughs> from our black exploitation yeah. era movies where pretty it, much all the, you know, white people are like white people in Spike Lee movies. Yeah. <laughs> and I think if we do more black station black exploitation movies, uh this one should definitely be on our list of okay. movies to do. Um I'll give it an eventually uh for the rating. Um but as far as the the plot goes, uh, yeah, Tommy Gibbs he he brings the payoff to this crooked cop who's super racist, and it turns out he's uh, fifty dollars short. So the cop just beats the shit out of him, breaks his leg, and he, he ends up going to jail for eight years. And then when he comes out, he basically forces his way into the the mob game game. And uh, basically uh, meets up with these mafia leaders and asks them if he can just take over his own territory in Harlem. And then from there, he, he builds his empire, and then he goes to war with the, the white mafia families. And it's, uh, it's pretty fantastic. If you like gangster movies, uh, I think you'll love this movie. Um, the alternate, alternate title was... Uh, the godfather of harlem so that kind of gives you an idea of where they got that from i read mm -hmm. it was a it was actually a remake it was supposed to be a remake of a movie from the 30s called little caesar and it was supposed to star little cease <laughs> <laughs> and it was supposed to star sammy davis jr but he he had a back out so they rewrote it for fred williamson uh in the lead and it, it reminded me of a little bit of uh, the movie American Gangster. Mm -hmm. So I wouldn't be surprised if some of it wasn't inspired by Frank Lucas. Because there's a lot of similarities there between Frank Lucas's story in American Gangster and 
Tommy Gibbs' story. And Since that was going Black on during Caesar. the Vietnam War. And what year did you say Black Caesar? 73. Okay. So it was, it was basically, you know, he... He doesn't. He don't give a shit. He'll go out and shoot people just out in the middle of the street where everybody can see him. And then, uh, you know, he just runs Harlem once he gets on top. And uh, it's it's a fantastic movie. James Brown did the soundtrack. Ooh. So if you like James Brown and you like gangster movies, this is the one for you. <laughs> um, I'd still say eventually because it's it's been around for a long time. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah. If if you really like gangster movies, black exploitation movies, funk music, James Brown, you're gonna want to check it out. All right. Let's see if I want to talk about one more here. I saw Prom Night from 1980. Not not that remake bullshit. I've been wanting to see that. Yeah. The original, right? Yeah. Not not that remake bullshit. <laughs> uh, directed by Paul Lynch. Starring Jamie Lee Curtis, Leslie Nielsen, Casey Stevens, Anne-Marie Martin, Antoinette Bauer, Michael Tuff. That's about it. Storyline. At a high school senior prom, a masked killer stalks four teenagers who were responsible for the accidental death of a classmate six years previously. So already echoes of, like, I know what you did last summer, and what would be another example what other one am i thinking of i kind of took inspiration from this well, i mean scream a little bit they talk yeah. about this and scream if if you watch prom night you know you'd understand i think is what uh jimmy kennedy says at one point about the rules is it like prowler <laughs> no no i mean i guess kind of a little bit since that's kind of centered around a dance a social if you yeah. will um, this one's the prom in 1980. I think what's really sets it apart is the soundtrack. It's set to like this hardcore disco soundtrack. So sometimes people are getting, you know, killed with, and it's not graphic at all. Really. There isn't yeah. much blood or like, you don't really see knives going into people. A lot of the violence is off screen or, you know, just shown right after, but it has like a disco track will be going on in the background it's it's kind of it's a cool juxtaposition there how they do that Jimmy Curtis is great continuing her you know, this is writing in her scream queen like apex yeah because the Halloween was 78 terror train when was that I haven't seen that yet but I've been wanting to it's her on a it's like a New Year's Eve party on a train you know we're People do that sometimes. They go on a. They did it in Trading Places. You've seen Trading. Wait, you haven't seen I, Trading Places, have you? I have, but it, I've only seen it once. I think it's been a long time. Yeah, Terror Train is also from 1980. Well, Halloween Two was 79, wasn't it? Uh, it was like right after Halloween. So she did. If Halloween Two was in 80, then she still had shit ton in 1980. 1981 was Halloween Two. Okay. So that's four already from 78 to 81. And maybe there's even more. Maybe she did another one that I'm not thinking of. Anyways, yeah, it's right in her, right in prime scream queen Jamie Lee. And yeah, it's another little bit of a surprise ending. You know, it's in the beginning, it's these kids are playing in an abandoned school and 
another girl joins in and they're chasing her down and like killers coming to get they're playing like a killer game like we're gonna kill you or the killer's coming you know kill her kill her and then she ends up like getting scared and kind of backing up and then she ends up falling out a window to her death and the kids are like ah we're not you know we're not gonna say anything about it because <laughs> one of the, the one of the like the boys like hey we should go find some help and no they're gonna blame us right they're not gonna think it's an accident why are you going to say a word? People think that in movies all the time. It's like, just tell them it was an accident. Like, they're not going to call it a homicide. <laughs> yeah, well, kids are dumb. But, yeah, six years later, the same four people involved in the cover-up starting to get threatening phone calls and letters. So, yeah, it's very reminiscent of where you could tell. It was, some of it inspired, you know, I know what you did, did last summer and Scream. But, yeah, I would uh, rate it eventually on the strength of that... Because, like I said, it's still pretty effective without a lot of violence, even for a horror movie. A lot of off-screen stuff. Yeah. It isn't graphic at all. The soundtrack really kicks it up a notch. Yes, I'm a sucker for a lot of 80s stuff, even late 70s to 80s disco, but I thought it would be a worthy entry in Jamie Lee's Scream Queen canon. All right. I'm going for my next one. We can go way back. To 1932. Ooh, 32. 1932. Woo! Freaks. Freaks. Directed by Todd Browning, starring Wallace Ford, Layla Hyams. Love Layla Hyams. <laughs> Olga Baklanova. <laughs> Olga? Yeah. Henry Victor. Harry Earls. Daisy Earls. <laughs> and then uh, a whole bunch of other people who were legit circus freaks at the time. Uh, So Freaks is about a circus's beautiful trapeze artist agrees to marry the leader of sideshow performers, but his deformed friends discover she's only marrying him for his inheritance. And uh, like I said, they use genuine uh, circus sideshow performers. Mm -hmm. There's... uh, several little people um the main character is a i I think they call him a living doll because he looks like he's about four or five years old but he's really a fully grown man Mm -hmm. um and he falls in love with this average size trapeze artist and he starts giving her money and gifts and stuff and she's just playing him because she she's actually in love with hercules the strong man but Nobody knows that, and um, I forget what the character's name was. Let me look it up. The little guy was Hans. So Hans was engaged to Frida, who's another... She's got the same condition he does. Mm-hmm. And he he kind of blows her off to go try to get with the trapeze artist. Um, meanwhile, everybody else knows that she's playing him except for him. Um, so they have... They have a set of conjoined twins. They have a person who's half man, half woman. Like one half, you know, the right side is uh, male and the left side is female. Mm-hmm. And they have, uh, they call them a human skeleton. We had like, uh, I don't know if it's muscular sclerosis or something like that, where he basically has no muscle mass. So it's just like, it's like skin over skeleton. Mm-hmm. They had 
couple women who had no arms. They had a man with no legs. They had a man with no arms or legs who had a scene where he he lit his own cigarette. He pulled the matchbox out, pulled out a match, lit it, lit his cigarette with no arms or legs, no help. I'd pay to see that. It's it was uh, it was pretty amazing actually, <laughs> and I read they cut his uh, his scenes short because they had filmed him rolling the cigarette too, <laughs> <laughs> and they cut that part out. Fucking a this guy. But uh, oh, they also had a, a group of uh, people. I can't remember what the the condition is actually called, but they're uh, they're known as pinheads. So they they have like extremely small skulls and then they like they cut their hair they like shaved it except for a little patch in the back that they put up in a ponytail Mm -hmm. and uh i i think uh the uh, american horror story freak show season there was uh, a lot of characters based off of this movie in that season of american horror story Mm mm-hmm I don't. I haven't watched it. I don't know if you watch it or not. Uh, no, I, I didn't see that season. But I, I believe that's the case. And there's, there's a bearded lady. You know, there's all kinds of. I know they've based people. a lot of their stuff on but, previous literature. Yeah, and one of the pinheads was apparently the, uh, the inspiration for the newspaper comic strip Zippy the Pinhead, <laughs> which is. Seems pretty derogatory these days, now that you think about it. Yeah. But I would uh, rate it as eventually. Um, It's not the best movie, um, but it's pretty fascinating that they got all these uh, legitimate uh, circus sideshow performers to, you know, play the roles and do the lines and all that stuff. And, Mm -hmm. you know, they kind of, uh, I don't want to spoil too much, but they, they basically are the good guys through the whole thing but at the time it came out it was really controversial because you know what are you putting all these freaks on tv for or you know on the movie Mm because people weren't as uh sympathetic to their condition at that time yeah but but i I would recommend uh if you can find it uh to take a look it was on i saw it on turner classic movies couple weeks ago so yeah i've seen it on there before as well i mean i haven't watched it on there but i've seen it advertised on there yeah i would say if if you can find it if it's on tcm you know give it a look next time it's on um it was pretty interesting yeah i'm guessing the uh the main draw being it being a pretty unique film yeah a fascinating look at like a, a topic that isn't really touched on a lot with the real people that are from that topic. Right. It's it's like a behind the scenes of the circus life. Mm-hmm. I think they said the the director worked in a circus earlier in his life, so he kind of knew the ins and outs of how, how it worked back there. So There's that new, there's that new movie coming out with uh, Hugh Jackman where he's playing uh, is it PT Barnum? PT Barnum, yeah. Yeah. So he's PT Barnum in like this new I, I don't know what it's called, but um kind of taking a look at the you know early circus era yeah i wonder uh how that will be if they'll go super pc and leave out the uh the sideshow <laughs> yeah i don't know i'm not sure if it's just a biopic of him or if it's just about like the early 
era of the circus. I'm not sure, but yeah, I'm sure there's a lot of song and dance from Hugh Jackman. He likes that kind of thing. He's good at it. He's uh yeah. He's like the new Travolta, even though <laughs> Jackman's like 50 now or 49. Yeah, he's pretty old. Because I mean, he's Travolta's got to be about 60, maybe a little more, 60, early 60s. Yeah, because he uh, he got started in the early 70s, maybe even late 60s. Yeah. I'm trying to think when... Saturday Night Fever was about 74-ish, right? Yeah. Was that before or after Welcome Back, Hotter? Oh, I could probably just look it up. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. Well, Travolta now is 63. He's born in 54. Yeah, Welcome Back, Hotter was probably later than that. First thing he was in was in 72, a TV show. Uh, Some more TV... And the Devil's Reign, TV movies, and he was in Carrie. Because Carrie was his big. Oh, yeah, that's kind right. Of, that was like his first big role. He was Sarah, an asshole in that movie. Yeah. <laughs> and Saturday Night Fever was 77. Grease, 78. Welcome back, Cotter. Well, that went from 75 to 79 when okay. he was on it. Yeah, I, I think he was on for the whole run. Uh, you might have maybe. Yeah, it looks would, like it. Yeah, because it says TV series seventy five to seventy nine. Yeah, and his is below. It's a seventy five seventy nine eighty two episodes. Okay, so yeah, that's probably right. R I P Horshack. <laughs> so are you a fan of the Welcome Back, Cotter? I've never seen the show. I I used to watch it occasionally when they'd show reruns when I was a kid. It's been a long time since I've seen it though. I see. All right, well, I think we'll leave it off there. We'll just end it there. Reach out to us. Email us at watchthismovie at yahoo.com. Check out our website at wtmwatchthismovie.com. Please give us the old rate review on iTunes and Stitcher. We need those. That helps out the show. So if you could do that, it would be much appreciated. Uh, follow us on Twitter at watch this underscore movie. Other than that, we will check you later. Guess we'll see you around. All right, check you later. Bye. Later. Wait, man, why are you always such a dork, man? What are you talking check about? Check you later. Check you later. <laughs> hey, man, you off my case.